January 4th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative will come from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. We'll be reading about the Master. Having defeated the strong man, Jesus now invaded his house and began to spoil his goods. He both obeyed the word and preached it, calling men to become his disciples. Everyone must decide whether to follow Christ or make bargains with the devil. What is your decision? We'll read about the healer. Our Lord's main ministry was teaching and preaching, but His compassion moved Him to minister to the physical needs of the people. How tragic that most of the people who followed Him wanted His services, but not His salvation. The gifts, but not the giver. And these people, of course, are with us today in droves. Now the Sermon on the Mount was our Lord's ordination sermon for His apostles. The theme is God's righteousness is contrasted with the hypocritical righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The sermon is not a second law with new commandments. No, it goes much deeper than the law because it deals with internal attitudes as well as outward actions. It presents a picture of the truly righteous person and shows the spiritual principles that control his or her life. Jesus opened the sermon with a description of the truly righteous person. Then he defined what sin is and what real righteousness is in the areas of worship and wealth. He concludes with warnings against making hypocritical judgments, following false prophets, and failing to obey God's will. You are not saved by trying to obey the Sermon on the Mount any more than you're saved by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Because they involve inner attitudes, the demands of the Sermon on the Mount are much more difficult than those found in the Law of Moses. Only the true believer in Jesus Christ can put the Sermon on the Mount into practice. And now, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. January 4th, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. But instead of going to Nazareth, he went to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Turn from your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, He saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. 
and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching everywhere the good news about the kingdom, and he healed people who had every kind of sickness and disease. News about him spread far beyond the borders of Galilee, so that the sick were soon coming to be healed from as far away as Syria. And whatever their illness and pain, or if they were possessed by demons, or were epileptics, or were paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. Psalm four, verses one through eight. David wrote this psalm as he was about to retire for the night. He couldn't、uh, do much about the war around him, but he could do something about the war within him. He didn't want to lie in bed and worry, so he committed himself and his situation to the Lord, and he did that by asking. That's the first thing he did. He asked. Asking the Lord for help is still a good way to deal with inner turmoil. And second, he believed. He faced his anger honestly, and gave it to the Lord. Instead of lying in bed and thinking about your problems, meditate on the Lord and offer Him sacrifices of praise. And he received. In the darkness, he saw the face of God and received light. In his sorrow. He discovered the gift of gladness. In the time of battle, he received peace. God did not immediately change the situation, but He did change David, and He can do the same for you. Your struggle is not against the physical world. Whatever is plaguing you today emanates from the spiritual realm. The enemy doesn't want you to know that it emanates from the spiritual realm because then you might address it. So if you and I do not address the cause, you can't get to the cure. The answer is prayer. Your problem is in heavenly places. Prayer takes you there. We'll talk to people who usually can't solve our problem. We're looking for sympathy, and so we talk to folks who can sympathize with us. But what you need are answers, not sympathy. What you need is heaven to invade earth. Some days the day is fine, and you may have a little thing go wrong here, a little thing go wrong there. But overall, life is good, and life is going okay. But you and I know some days are not like that. Some days it looks like everywhere you turn, something is going wrong. It looks like every direction you look in, God is invisible and is nowhere to be found. That's the day when you wonder, how am I going to get through another day? Because you're under attack. He says, on that day, you need this kind of prayer, because that day demands the armor of God. 
be warned by you in all of God's power brought to bear on your circumstances. What he is calling for is specific prayer, concentrated prayer. One of the reasons we don't see God show up is that we don't earnestly talk to God when we need him. We got these vague prayers that we've been saying for 25 years. But when all hell breaks loose, you got specific stuff jacking you up. You got specific things that are causing you headaches and heartaches and life aches. And you are groaning. The Holy Ghost groans with you. And because he knows how deep the problem is, how deep the need is, in your weak moment, when you can't make it another day, the spirit takes over and he lifts you up in a way you cannot lift yourself up and neither can anybody you know lift you up. Psalm chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Answer me when I call, O God, who declares me innocent. Take away my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make these groundless accusations? How long will you pursue lies? You can be sure of this. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call to him. Don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer proper sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many people say, Who will show us better times? Let the smile of your face shine on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and wine. I will lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls out to the crowds along the main street and to those in front of City Hall. You simpletons, she cries. How long will you go on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools fight the facts? Come here and listen to me. I'll pour out the spirit of wisdom upon you and make you wise. <laughs> 